0: Okay, so if you have your Bibles, do keep them open to Titus uh, chapter 1. That'll be our main text, and I'll read it, uh, verses 1 to 4, after a brief introduction. Uh, But first, uh, let me ask God to help us understand his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for preserving your word throughout the ages and making it available to your people all around the world. Uh, We ask that you would open our minds and hearts so that we can understand your word and apply it to our lives. Uh, Please remove all distractions and provide us with energy to focus so that we may be spiritually refreshed today. Uh, Please assist me in speaking clearly and faithfully about the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Gracious Father, please enlighten and awaken us today so that we may be useful in your service. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Uh, 2023. Another year is upon us. As Jared mentioned last week, this is like a blank slate. It's like starting a new level in a game. You kind of know what to expect, but there's always something new and unexpected waiting for you around the corner. Maybe that's how you think of this new year. Or, for some of you, it's just another year. Nothing exciting, just trying to get by with as few bumps and bruises as possible. For others, this year is very exciting. It's brimming with potential and possibilities. Anything could happen, and why not? Perhaps this is the year that marks a big milestone in your life. Maybe it's the year you start school or finish school better yet. And maybe it's the year that you get married, or celebrate a special anniversary. Or perhaps this is the year that you get it all sorted. That this is the year that you get healthy, not just physically healthy with diet and exercise, but spiritually healthy. And mindfulness and meditation are all the rave at the moment. Now that's because people are aware of the importance of being spiritually and mentally healthy. And it's got lots of great benefits. You know, your mood is better, your family life is better, your work, you know, the possibilities are endless there. But being spiritually healthy is more than just having mental clarity. It's more than a feeling, a sense of peace, or having a life purpose. These are all signs of spiritual health, not how we get spiritually healthy. The Bible has a lot to say about how to be spiritually healthy. According to the Bible, the most important thing for you and I to have spiritual health is to have spiritual life. If you're spiritually dead, it doesn't matter what you do, you won't be spiritually healthy. Spiritual health begins and ends with God. He's the eternal being, the eternal life-giving spirit. And so first, in order to be spiritually healthy, we need to be connected to him. And one of the big words God uses in the Bible about spiritual health is godliness. Godliness is simply being like God. It's God-likeness. It's living God's way. That's what Titus is all about. That's what we'll be looking at these next few weeks. How to be spiritually healthy or godly. In Titus, the spiritually healthy are those who are able to live God's way. And those who don't have spiritual health are not able to live God's way. Over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at godly leadership, uh, godly homes and godly communities in Titus. Our passage this morning, which is just the first four verses, really sets up the whole book how we can be spiritually healthy, how we can be godly. So let's hear from God's word in Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Saviour. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever noticed that people can behave like animals sometimes. Some people can be real lazy, can't they? Many people don't care about telling the truth. Lots of people lack self-control. Heaps of people are only interested in doing whatever makes them happy. Almost everyone is arguing about something pointless, just creating waves. You're probably sitting there thinking, oh, come on, that's just the way the world is, Mitch. Well, yes, I know, I know. But I was actually describing Crete, the place where Titus lived almost 2,000 years ago. Isn't it striking how similar Crete is to Australia, to our own culture? Both were islands with massive potential. Both were places where people did what they wanted when they wanted it. Uh, Both were places where people were interested in spiritual health, but not in the God who provides it. And so Paul writes to young Titus about how to spiritually thrive in a place much like our own. How to be godly in a godless culture. Uh, These first four verses show us how we can do this. It really comes down to three things. It comes down to hearing God's truth, uh, seeing God's grace, and being devoted to good works. And so our big question today is, how can you be godly in a godless culture? Uh, Point one, hear God's truth. Only through hearing God's truth can we grow in godliness. By hearing about God, who he is, and what he's done for us, uh, believers will know how to be like God, their saviour. Just after Paul introduces himself and gives his God-given credentials, he launches into the whole reason why he's writing this powerful letter. Uh, Check it out with me in verse 1. It says this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which, leads, which accords with godliness. You see, Paul is writing to Titus to build the faith of God's chosen people and their knowledge of him, their knowledge of the truth. Why? Because this is, Leads to godliness. God's truth leads to godliness. And what's God's what's God's truth about? Uh, It's about God, of course. What He is, who He is, and what He's done for us, all contained in the Bible. In short, it's the good news of how God promised us eternal life and fulfilled it through His Son Jesus Christ. It's the truth that we can be saved by having faith in Jesus and what He's done for us on the cross. It's the truth that we can have peace with God right now by trusting in his promises. This is the truth that leads to godliness. You could simplify it down like this. A faith in God and knowledge of him leads to godliness. If you don't get anything, get that today. Faith in God and knowledge of him leads to godliness. This is the way God designed us to grow spiritually. And the opposite is true as well. Without faith in God and knowledge of him, we cannot be like him. That makes sense, doesn't it? It's like me saying, I want to be like Jared over there. But I don't believe he exists and I won't listen to anything he says. Uh, Would I end up looking anything like Jared? Well, of course not. And so it is with godliness. Only by having faith in God and growing in our knowledge of him will we become godly. So, let me ask you a question then. Are you listening to God's word in order to be gripped by it so that you can grow in godliness? Perhaps your life is chaotic at the moment and making it hard to hear God's truth. Now, that's understandable. I get that, especially if you have small kids or a full-on job. But God has blessed us with many ways to hear his voice today. Just think for a moment. We all have phones. Our phones can access the Bible anywhere. And you can even listen to it anytime. While you brush your teeth on the way to work, while you eat breakfast or dinner, or while you tidy up. Uh, You could even join a Bible study or catch up with a friend and read it together. And of course, you can hear it here on Sundays. But start small. Don't be like me and overwhelm yourself. Start small. Do what you can manage. But do make a start. Start to hear God's truth today. Make 2023 the year that you invest in your spiritual health so that you can become more godly. Knowledge of God's truth leads to godliness. That's what Paul wants Titus to get right from the start. And that's what you and I need to get as we tackle uh, this letter, as we tackle this year. So how can we be godly in a godless culture? First by hearing God's truth and also by seeing God's grace. This is point two. See God's grace. As we see God's grace in the gospel of Jesus, our godliness thrives. The more we marvel at what God has graciously done for us, the more inspired we'll be to live for him and with him. Grace is undeserved favor. It's like getting a gift that you didn't earn and don't deserve. In Titus, God's grace pops up all the time. one of, the ma- one of the first ways is in uh, verses 2 and 3 in our passage, where God promises us eternal life when he didn't have to do that. That's grace. And God also revealed his plan to save us in his word, and he didn't have to do that either. That's grace as well. Let's hear it again, verses 2 and 3. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Saviour. You see, it's all God's grace. But the most important passage in Titus about grace actually comes in the middle. It's in chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Take a look with me. Chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is the heart of Titus. Here in this jam-packed section, we have God's grace at work. We have God's grace at work in the past where Jesus brought salvation to all peoples. And we have God's grace in the present that trains us to turn away from ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. And we also see God's grace in the future when Jesus will return in glory and all those who believe in him will go to be with him in paradise. Can you see God's grace at work? Why is all this important? Why why are we looking at chapter 2 here? Well, look closely at verse 12 again. It says, God's grace actually trains us to live godly lives. As we reflect on what God has done for us through Jesus, we get a glimpse of what it means to be godly. Uh, This is crucial as we begin our journey in Titus because Titus is full of lists of do's and don'ts. And so if you're not careful, you may come away thinking that Um, Titus is telling me, I have to do more good stuff and less bad stuff. But it's actually the other way around. First, we see God's grace, and that motivates us to live godly lives. Uh, This is what true spiritual health looks like. So let's look closely at God's grace right now. How he's saved you through Jesus. How he's freed you from constantly breaking his law. And how he will return so that we can be with him forever. Let that train you to live godly lives. And don't you see how much better God's grace is than mindfulness and meditation, which are centered around you? The Bible isn't primarily about self-improvement or spiritual well-being. It's about our gracious God. It's about how he graciously came to save a people who were his enemies. It's about how he graciously deals with our sin and shame on the cross so that we can have peace with him right here and right now. A gaze at God's grace in all its brilliance and let that refresh your souls today. This is... This is what will train you to be godly and live godly lives. Saturate yourself with God's word. See his grace in the person and work of Jesus. And so we've seen how we can be godly in a godless culture by first hearing God's truth and seeing God's grace. But now we'll see that it comes through being devoted to good works. So point three, be devoted to good works. Godliness naturally leads to good works, just as God's truth leads to godliness. Therefore, being devoted to good works isn't just a sign of our godliness, it actually strengthens it. Lots of people like to do good. They want to help out. Maybe it's on a global scale, you know, with taking care of the environment, recycling, and that sort of thing. Maybe it's on a personal scale. You look after rescue dogs or you foster kids or something like that. These are great and good things to do. But the Bible isn't just concerned with what we do. It's concerned with what's motivating us. Are we doing it for ourselves, our families, or for our Creator? You see, this is key. See, according to God's Word, In order to do good works that God agrees is good, we have to first be part of the common faith. We've seen this earlier. But I want to show you this one verse in in chapter 1, verse 16, which makes it extremely clear. Chapter 1, verse 16 says this. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. You see, the word unfit there actually means disqualified. What's another word for disqualified or unqualified? It's just like someone who goes to the Olympics, but every single time they get disqualified. It doesn't matter how sincere they are, how much they've done, their work is never counted, they never get the gold medal, they never get anything. And so it is with the person who denies God. They're disqualified from pleasing Him. They're disqualified for doing good works, living godly lives. And surely that's right, isn't it? And so if we want to be godly, if we want to grow in our godliness, uh, then we need to hear God's truth and believe in him, like we saw earlier. We need to see God's grace on the cross and let that change the way that we live. Because if we don't, if we don't turn away from living for ourselves then in God's eyes, the good things that we we do are disqualified because of our sin. Our sin is the thing that makes us all spiritually unhealthy. Sin is what makes us spiritually dirty before God. It's like we're all covered in muck and grime. Just imagine that you're covered in mud from head to toe. I'm not sure how it happened. Maybe you were ambushed in a mud fight. Don't ask me. Anyway, you're covered in mud, head to toe. It's in your hair, it's in your eyes, it's in your ears, it's in your mouth. Yuck. Everything you touch and do is tainted now by mud. You wouldn't be able to do anything good being covered in mud. Well, this is just a small glimpse of those who reject God. This is just a small glimpse of how God sees them and what they do. Their good works are disqualified. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh, come on, Mitch, give us a break. There's lots of people who do good things who, aren't, who don't believe in God. Yeah, I agree. On a human level, uh, people are capable of doing good things, uh, but it's always tainted by sin in some form. Those who don't believe in God can never do what God thinks is good because deep down they're opposed to God. They're rejecting God. They're rebelling against God. They refuse to listen to the truth. They won't see his grace. And they can't be devoted to good works. And so only those who have been saved can devote themselves to good works. And chapter 3, verses 4 to 8, makes this very clear. Let's see. See for yourself. Chapter 3, verses 4 to 8. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life, The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Here we see the gospel. We see how God has saved us. It's not by what we do, verse 5. It's all by his grace and mercy. God saves us because of his loving kindness. And the Holy Spirit washes us clean, making us spiritually alive. It's the Holy Spirit who washes all that mud off us so that we can be godly. And it's Jesus who justifies us so that we could have eternal life. This is the pattern. God graciously saves us so that we can be devoted to good works. Verse 8, not the other way around. This has always been the way. Uh, We saw this in our first Bible reading. God enables uh, us to be godly and do good works. He saved the Israelites and then showed them, this is how you live with me. They were to live in response to God's truth and God's grace, just like us. And we have been saved by God so that we can be devoted to good works. Well, we'll be looking more in depth about how we are to do these good works in response to what God has done for us over the next few weeks. Uh, But for now, uh, one thing we could do is maybe just think for a moment. Think, is there one small thing you could do this week that would benefit someone else? Could you give someone a gift? Uh, Could you volunteer for something here at Frankston? Uh, Could you pray for someone who is struggling? So what have we learned today? That we can be godly in a godless culture by hearing God's truth, seeing God's grace and being devoted to good works. So how are you going today? How would you rate your spiritual health? Or better yet, how would you rate your godliness? We never drift towards godliness. True, uh, the Holy Spirit does a secret work in us to make us godly, but we still have things we ought to be doing. We ought to be growing in the knowledge of God's truth, hearing it regularly because it leads to godliness. And we are to continue to gaze upon God's grace and let that train us to live godly lives. And we are to be devoted to good works because that strengthens our godliness. Maybe you're sitting there feeling spiritually unhealthy, and you don't want to be anymore. Well, today you have an opportunity. You've had the opportunity to hear God's truth and see his grace and to trust in Jesus today. Uh, This is God's way we can all be spiritually satisfied forever. Stop living your own way. Embrace spiritual life as God graciously offers it to you through the work of His Son. Perhaps you know God's truth and God's grace, but you're feeling like you're stagnating. Instead of being a raging fire, you're a smoldering wick. You're, you're just a subtle glow. How does God's word help you today? Well, you also have an opportunity to drink deeply from God's truth and reignite your faith. You have the opportunity to see God's grace towards you in Christ and letting that motivate you to live for Him. Or perhaps you have been noticing God's grace in your own life or in the lives of those around you. Um, you know, how does this passage encourage you? Well, You should should be encouraged that God is gracious to you in that way and continue to devote yourselves to good works in response to his grace. Can you imagine what your community would look like if we all grew in our godliness this year? Would our homes be more joyful? You betcha. Would our workplaces benefit? Definitely. Would it be easy? Oh, that's highly doubtful. Remember, we live in a world that doesn't want to be spiritually healthy God's way. So it'll be tough, but it'll be worth it. Not just now with the benefits we'll experience, but also in the future when Jesus returns to take us home. So let's ask God to help us between now and then. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for using the Apostle Paul to record your word so that we may hear it today. Uh, please help us all listen to your truth in such a way that we are gripped by it uh, so that we may grow in godliness. Uh, please help us to see your grace towards us in Christ, seeing what it costs to save us. May we be motivated to live godly lives in response to your amazing grace. And please help us to devote ourselves to doing good to others so that they may see you through our work. Please protect and sustain us as we embark on this new year, eagerly awaiting for the Lord Jesus to return. Now this we ask in his precious name. Amen.